see eventually we're going to we're working on having a choir to get going again that's we're looking to have that first choir uh, performance in October and uh, you'll somebody will be those of you who signed up for music and stuff you will be getting a call before too long and uh, we'll start setting those things up and uh, um, we're go- I'm excited God's going to do some really neat things he's already doing some really ne- neat things we had over 30 people make professions of faith through, uh, through the outreach efforts of our church this summer um, that's big yeah you should applaud for that that's not a uh, we're going to have five or six baptized tonight. Most churches in this country don't do that in a year. And so God's really blessing. I want to talk to you this morning. Um, you, we're going to be in Acts chapter 2 if you want to open your Bibles there. We're going to be there in a few minutes. and We've uh, only got one more message after this about our vision, but we're going to keep our vision going because without vision, the people perish. We need to keep that vision. Years ago, um, oh, I think I was about 12, 13 years old, I played baseball in a little town called San Antonio. Um, San Antonio is a little bit north of Tampa, uh, kind of near Dade City. And my baseball coach owned a ranch. He was a rancher. Um, he and his brother had a huge spread. And his sons, uh, Bobby and Billy, played on our team. And so their, their cousin, Larry, and the Barthel family was a huge family, and they had a huge ranch. And I got to go and spend some time with them, about two to three weeks, working on their ranch. It was the greatest time of my life. You see, in our, our family, we have kind of a heritage of being a cow hunter. Now, those of you from outside of Florida, we don't go out and shoot cows. Uh, a cow hunter is what you'd call a cowboy everywhere else. But in Florida, the cows get all out in the woods and stuff, and you got to go hunt them down and round them up. And that's a, my daddy was a cow hunter. He worked for Dole Carlton over in Hardy County, and my great-grandfather had his own cows that they hunted, and, and uh, it's kind of a heritage thing. And I always wanted to be a cowboy, and I got to be one. And I lived with the Barthel family. Man, we got up early in the morning and had to go milk the cow. That was amazing. We had to feed the animals, get the horses ready. Then we'd uh, eat breakfast. Mrs. Barthel always made a big breakfast for us and, and, and uh, sandwiches and stuff. Then we'd head out to the pastures. We'd round up our horses, get them uh, saddled up, get ready, and, and we'd be out on the range most of the day herding cattle back to the, to the cow pens. Once you got them all pinned up, you'd, you'd work them through. And um, There's a lot of science and a lot of paperwork to cows. You've got to know how often they're... Um, giving offspring and and giving shots and it you would you'd be surprised how complicated cattle business is, but we got to I got to work on that and I live with the Barthels. What a wonderful family they had, man. They you know I never heard them fight and then these two brothers well, they fought once in a while but their dad had straightened that out real real quick. Um, they had little sisters who did what little sisters did, but it was a wonderful family, and, and not only the 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 side that I was with, but the other brother, um, my baseball coach's brother and his family, they're all together on weekends. We, we do some rodeo stuff, or we go down to Lake Iola and go skiing, and it was wonderful. I hated to leave that place. It was a great family, because I was going to leave and go back home, and my dad was living in Miami, and we were living in Dade City, and my family was going through a mess, and I, I just wanted to go be with, a, fam- with a, fam- a real good family. I was hoping they'd adopt me. 
It didn't happen. It was very attractive to live in that wonderful environment. And can I tell you something? The early church had that wonderful environment. Acts 2.42 says this. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and in breaking of bread and in prayers. And fear came upon every soul and many wonders and signs were done by the apostles. And all that believed were together and had all things common. And they sold their possessions and goods and parted them to all men and every man as every man had need. And they, continuing daily in one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, did eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart, praising God and having favor with all people. And the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. Acts 4.32 has a very similar description of that early church. The buzzword for today that, that theologians or missionologists or whatever all these experts write about is that's called community. Um, from an older generation, it's just called fellowship. It's how we as the church come together and we take care of each other. And we are a family. I was doing a little bit of research on some of this family stuff. And, and you know, I was looking about gangs. Why do people join gangs? Well, a lot of it is because they want a sense of family. They want a sense of belonging. They want to have a place where they belong. And, and I look at our church, and, you know, I've been here a long time. I've been here through lean years and some great years and then some more lean years and, and I think we have great years coming our way and one of the things that really marked this church when it was, it was at its zenith a few years back was that we were like family. We took care of each other. We had community here. It's uh, community is so important. Is so attractive to the world. I want to know what's going on. Just like I was attracted, I wanted to be one of the Barkles. Because they had such a great family, and there was love, and they were shared. And, and well, the only thing I didn't like was this camp family was Catholic, and I thought they were going to make me go to confession. They didn't make me go to confession, praise the Lord, because I wasn't going to tell on myself. But you see, we have people in this church from all over the place. We have people from the south, from the north, from the east, from the west. And a lot of y'all are here without your extended families. And where can you go to have an extended family? Right here. And all those people who are out there who are looking for a place where they can be loved and where they can be accepted and where they can be um, taught and where they can belong to something... They need to come here. And we need to be prepared to love them and to be their community, to be their church family. Let me fill in some blanks for you. When we are functioning like that early church and we have that community, we have that thing going on, we see people converted. Okay, I'll be just exact. Community creates converts. Now, Nobody wants to come to a place where there's fussing and fighting. I did not want to go home. My parents fussed and fought. 
even though my dad lived in Miami and we were still in Dade City, they'd call, they'd fuss, they'd fight. They was, it was awful. Um, it, it, it was a terrible place to be. Nobody wants to come to a terrible place. That's not attractive at all, is it? But boy, if we come to a place where there's people being loved, people are being accepted, people are being ministered to, I want to come and be part of that. And when I come to be part of that, I may not know what's going on there, but I'm going to find out, and that's going to produce converts. That's going to produce new believers. Also, when we are together, and when there's a community, we are a channel for the power of God, for God's power. Boy, do we ever need God's power today. That's our, Cindy and I, before we get out of the car, when we pull in the parking lot, we stop, and before I turn the car off and the air conditioner off, we, uh, we pray together. And the first thing is, God, we need your power today. We need God's power as a people. We need God's power as we deal with the culture around us, as we minister to the people around us, as we take care of each other. We need God's power. And when we are coming together in unity, or as the Bible says, in one accord, we, have, we see God's power. Community also does something else. It provides for our members' needs. Someone told me not long ago that we do too much outreach here. And uh, I, I, I know what they were saying. What they were trying to say is we, we're not taking care of each other as well as we should. And you know, they have a point. But when we are acting as community, when we are loving one another, when we are taking care, we will be taking care of everybody and our, everyone's needs will get met. When we're coming together, you notice in that scripture that we read in Acts, those who didn't have food were given food. People were selling everything they had, pulling it together. Now look, we don't have to do that here today. That was something that was happening there because when they converted to Christianity, a lot of times they were kicked out of their family. They were losing all sorts of things. They sold what they had to take care of each other. They were, had all things in common. But see, we do have something in common together today. We know Jesus Christ is our Savior. We're all been bought by His blood, and we're all been put into that. We sang family of God. We are all part of that family. We, I love how Romans 8 puts it. We get adopted into God's family. We're joint heirs with Jesus. That's a good thing. We have that in common. So when we are functioning within community, when we are working together, as the family of God, or as a, a church fellowship, or whatever however term you want to use, converts are made, God's power is brought down, and your needs will be met. So here's the thing. We have to build community in our church. We have to do that. And here's how we do it. Number one, we do that by loving one another, as God loves us. Acts 2.42, and they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and in the breaking of bread and in prayers. 1 John 4, verses 7 to 21, gives a long survey about God's love. Let me just give you some highlights about God's love and our love. Verse 7 says, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone that loveth is born of God and knoweth God. 
you know, if we're not loving one another, we better check out if we know God. Verse 8 says, He that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is love. Verse 9 says, In this was manifested the love of God toward us, because that God sent His only begotten Son into the world, that we might live through Him. Herein is love, not that we love God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought also to love one another. No man has seen God at any time. If we love one another, God dwelleth in us, and His love is perfected in us. Hereby know we that we dwell in Him, and He in us, because He hath given us His Spirit. And we have seen and do testify that the Father sent the Son to be the Savior of the world, Whosoever shall confess that Jesus is the Son of God, God dwelleth in him, and he in God. And we have known and believed the love of God hath to us. God is love, and he that dwelleth in love dwelleth in God, and God in him. Herein is our love made perfect, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment, because he, as he is, so are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casteth out fear, because fear hath torment, he that feareth is not made perfect in love. We love him because he first loved us. If a man say, I love God and hate his brother, he's a liar. For he that loveth not his brother, whom he hath seen, how can he love God, whom he hath not seen? And this commandment have we from him, that he who loveth God loveth his brother also. We've got to start loving one another. And you know, it's hard to love somebody you don't know. Really difficult. And it's just real. I can say, if you look around this room, there's people you recognize, but you won't know their name. You know what, that even happens to me. And I go through the list. If I had the list and been able to put the, the faces to the list, I'll be okay. But we don't know each other. We don't spend a lot of time getting to know each other. We come in, we kind of circle around the folks that we know, we say hi, we handshake and we talk and we try to introduce ourselves and, and meet people, but we don't get to know each other. Well, we're going to try to fix some of that tonight. That's why we have these fellowship things. You know, eating. <laughs> we're breaking bread. It's going to be, I don't know what type of sandwiches people are going to bring, but there'll be some sandwiches, there'll be some chips, there'll be some stuff. We come together in another form where we get to spend time together trying to get to know one another by the way when you do that <laughs> one of the things that really gets to me is when we have fellowships or have dinners and tables are set up we're not going to set up tables you're going to have to just hold it in your place but if you have tables set up you, you, you'll see these chairs pulled up saving places and it's all we are one little group your little clique goes and sits in those places and never gets to know one another isn't that a shame Man, you don't know. There's some really neat people in here. You might not want to get to know them. You might want to get to know them so you can love them and so that we can love each other and so that we can create that atmosphere that the world's going, what's with those people? They really love each other. They really take care of each other. What's going on? Instead, what does the world see in our churches today? Bunch of hypocrites. Oh, yeah, they go to church with their smile on and they talk bad about everybody that's at church. And 
Why anybody want to come to that? I wouldn't. Would you? We need to love one another. To love one another, we have to get together. You've got to go meet one another. You've got to talk to one another. We've got to take care of one another. You see, if we're going to have that great community, if we're going to, to have a vision and, and take care of the people who are here and the people who will come and the people that we reach, we've got to start loving one another. And if you're a child of God, if you know Jesus Christ as your Savior, then you have the ability to do that because God has put that love in your life. If you're part of the world, I understand. If you've never trusted Christ as your Savior, it's hard to love other people. But Jesus gives you the power to when you know him. You see, that passage told us that, that God loved us so much that Christ came here and gave his life, shed his blood as a propitiation, means in substitute of and for us, so that we could be reconciled to God. Here's what it means in plain, simple terms. It means we can go to heaven and we're not condemned to hell when we, we, when we choose Christ as our Savior. I know we live in a time where nobody wants to talk about hell, but it, that doesn't mean it's not real. And, and we who, have no, who know Christ as our Savior, we're assured that we're going to go to heaven. And we have His love. We've accepted His love, and His love is in us. We have to start loving one another so that others can come and experience that wonderful forgiveness of sins and they too can be part of have eternal life in heaven and not be condemned to hell. You see, we have to love one another if we're going to have community. But not only that, we have got to, uh, we got to use our gifts to minister to one another. Romans chapter 12. Verses 3 to 8. For I say, through the grace given unto me, to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, according as God hath dealt to every man the measure of faith. For as we have many members in one body, and all members have not the same office, so we being many are one body in Christ, and every one members one of another having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, whether prophecy, let us prophesy according to the proportion of faith, or ministry, let us wait on our ministering, or he that teacheth on teaching, or he that exhorteth on exhortation, he that giveth, let him do with all simplicity, he that ruleth with diligence, he that showeth mercy with cheerfulness. Do you realize that every one of us have gifts that God has given us? Spiritual gifts that we are to use to take care of each other. Now, I'm, I don't really have that gift of mercy. I have to work really hard to be merciful. That's just not my, my thing. I, I love to point out, I have that gift of prophecy. I like to point out where you messed up at. I mean, I, Dennis, you understand that, right? <laughs> I love that part. And I love, to, I love to, to teach, and I love to uh, administer, though administration is a little bit further down. That gift of mercy, I struggle with. 
because some of you all have that gift and that mercy needs to be given to somebody else in this room. Some of you have that gift of giving. I'll give everything I have. I just don't have much. Some have a gift of being able to give over and above. and I, I don't know. I, that's wonderful. My wife, she's very generous. But man, she starts seeing that checkbook go down. It gets, she gets all nervous. She's good at administration. She's a servant. She loves to serve. She's over with the kids. She loves being with the kids. So she doesn't have to, people don't have to look at her. She's a servant. Some of you can serve. Some of you have to have compassion. You know, and, and we need each other. I know a lot of people come and say, you just work so hard. You need some help. Yes, ma'am. Yes, sir. I need some help. You know where I could use some real help at? Some of you that have mercy and compassion and, 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 and some of the gifts where you can minister to others. You need to come on Saturday. And we can send you out to visit some of the folks who, who are hurting, who are sick, who may be going through something and we don't know. I need some help with that. That's what our GROW program is about. Yes, we do outreach through GROW. But one of the primary things that we can do through our GROW program is to do care and comfort visits where we're taking care of those people who, who are, um, need help, need prayer, need, need a dose of mercy. We have to use those gifts. We're getting ready to start Sunday school classes. Dennis and Carol are not going to be the only Sunday school teachers. And yes, I'm going to call it Sunday school. Okay? I know. We got it. We'll, we'll do our life groups outside of church, and we'll just do Sunday school. I know it makes everybody happy. Uh, the next service, they don't care. They don't know what it's called anyway. Most of them never had it. Okay? Um, you, you guys are laughing, but that's really kind of true. So they don't care what we call it. We'll call it Sunday. We're going to have a Sunday school hour, but I'm going to need some teachers. One of the problems we had before when we kind of cut Sunday school out was a shortage of teachers. But I'm going to need some teachers. Some of y'all better get ready. I'm going to need some children's workers. I'm going to need some adults. I want to. We're going to start a class for younger families. One of the first, I already got the curriculum for him. It's going to be on parenting. Folks, we think, let me, let, me, let me back up. Without trying to be offensive, many, many important things were not handed down to the next generation, and that's part of, of parenting is one of it. Um, my parenting is better than my parents, and the reason is is because I didn't want make the mistakes my parents did. We're going to need teachers. We're going to see, <laughs> when you start using your gifts, everyone gets taken care of. Everybody gets taken care of. Everybody's needs are met. And that's really attractive to others. We live in a time where we are very, very selfish. It's, <laughs> so often it's all about me. It's about, I want my needs met. I want my needs met. I want my needs met. Okay, let me tell you how to get your needs met. You start meeting somebody else's needs, and then they will in turn meet yours. That's how it works. That's how it works biblically. 
So we need to create this, this thing, a community. We, our church needs to be a great, thriving fa church family where we take care of one another, where we love one another. And then, finally, we have to handle our conflicts biblically. Matthew chapter 18. If you'll go there, please. Turn your Bibles to Matthew 18. This is one of the most important principles. I could probably preach on this once a quarter, if not once a month, or maybe just every week until everybody gets this. This is one of the most important things in Scripture. Let's get a little background here. Matthew 16, Peter uh, announces that um, Jesus is the Christ. And Christ says upon this rock, the fact that he is the Christ, the Son of God, that his church will be built. Two chapters later, we're finding out how to handle things when there's difficulties, when there's offenses in the church. Chapter 18, verse 15. It says, Moreover, if thy brother shall trespass against thee, go and tell him his fault between um, thee and him alone. If he shall hear thee, thou hast gained thy brother. But if he will not hear thee, then take with thee one or two more, that in the mouth of two or three witnesses every word may be established. And if he shall neglect to hear them, tell it to the church. But if he neglect to hear the church, let him be unto thee as a heathen man and a publican. Verily I say unto you, whatsoever ye shall bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatsoever ye shall loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. And again I say unto you, that if two of you shall agree on earth as touching anything that they shall ask, it shall be done for them of my Father which is in heaven. For where two or three are gathered together in my name, there am I in the midst of them. We use that last verse a lot. But we never, we seldom use it in the context that it's given. In the context of church discipline. In the context of handling offenses and difficulties. One of the things that tends to tear up a, a family is when they have unresolved conflicts. Or they're just conflict-ridden to start with. <laughs> my sister and I have figured out, both my sisters and I have figured out, that my mom would, would it's, a, it's a shame, that sometimes she would say things, three different things to us, and kind of keep us apart, because if we all got together and we found out what she was doing. So we, are, we were always kind of separated where somebody was always mad at somebody and we weren't, didn't even know why we were mad we were mad by hearsay and you know how troublesome that is how many of y'all have families that when you, you don't even like to get together with your family because you just know it's going to be a mess I've had a few of those it's usually with Cynthia's family <laughs> she's not here I'll have to ask forgiveness listen um that's not the way it should be. Not in our church family. Jesus told us how to do this. You know, when you get offended, you need to go to that person. And you need to say, hey, you know what? You offended me. You hurt my feelings. However you want to put it. And give that person an opportunity to make things right with you. Can I tell you that so often, at least personally, I get in trouble and I never knew I did anything to cause the trouble. You know, I'll say something or my, the tone of voice comes out wrong or 
something and somebody gets upset at me and I don't even know I don't even know it. You know why? Because they never tell me. And I may find out about it down the road after it's gone to three or four other people and the gossip is starting and people are starting to split apart because somebody didn't come and tell me. And if I find out, I'll go make it right. But we, how, why should it get to that point where we're already having factions splitting apart when it could easily solve it? If I offend you, just come let me know and let we can work it out. But then again, if that doesn't work out, Maybe I'm going to be hard-headed that day. Then grab somebody else to come with you as a witness. Two or three. Come and talk to me. Tell me, listen, you don't understand. You've done this, and this has really hurt my feelings. This has hurt, messed me up. You, you don't know what you damage you've done to me. And once again, you'll give an opportunity to make things right. Well, by the making things right is called forgiveness and asking forgiveness. And then, you know, if you go through the one-on-one, and then you go through the two or three, then you come together to the church family, or as we're calling it today, community. And you bring it before. And the church family, or the community, decides the issue. And the person still doesn't want to get right, then you treat them differently. We don't practice a lot of church discipline in churches today. One reason is if the person starts in that process, they just run down to another church and cause trouble. It's a very important thing. But look, we have conflicts all the time. If we will solve them biblically, we can stay united. We can stay a family. We can stay this community that we're, where we are loving one another and meeting each other's needs. Years ago, when I was in Bible college, I worked in the servicemen's ministry. Uh, I was Bible Trinity Baptist College, where Blake's getting ready to go. And uh, I was there, and um, I really had gone there to go into missions. I wanted to go to Japan as a missionary. I think my wife prayed that, that out of it. Um, and I realized, too, I mean, I struggled with English, and um, I was in Okinawa for two and a half years, and I picked up very little Japanese. It just didn't go well. And I spent a lot of time in Korea, and I picked up more Korean. Um, for some reason, it flows better. Korean flows better for me than Japanese. But I wanted to go back to Japan. I, I love it over there. And I realized that uh, we had a guy speak, and he doesn't speak Japanese real well either. So he started going to the military in Japan. That's it. That's why I'm going to get back. I'll go minister to the military. So I'm working in the military ministry. And they had... People who would go out every Saturday, go out on the bases and invite uh, sailors to come back to come to church and then they'd feed them a meal and they'd have all these cute college girls there so the guys would keep coming back to get the meals. <laughs> Weren't beyond some carnal, uh, some, some carnal means to get people under the Word of God. Um, but I was working with a man named Mike Olson. And Mike said something that just hit me wrong. And uh, I don't even know what it was. It was something silly. But it just, it offended me. And I was just a little ticked. It probably just bruised my pride some way. You know? But I didn't say anything. I, I just, just let it go. I'm going to be the bigger man. <sighs> Every time Mike said something, it just irritated me. 
And I'm trying to work with him to, to, uh, to reach sailors. And, and, you know, God's work is really important. But, but every time he said something, he was the leader. And every time he said something, it just grated on me. And, and, and as time went on, it just got worse and worse. Like, if I heard his name, it aggravated me. You guys have been there, you know. And it just kept building and kept building and he sensed something was wrong and I knew something was wrong. I didn't know exactly what it was because like I said, I don't even know what it was. It caused, I can't even remember what the offense was. But it was something that messed with me. And I didn't handle it biblically. Then one day he was preaching. He would preach every, day, every time after the, the lunch. He preached and he preached long. But he preached on forgiveness. And he preached this very same passage. And that passage was preached every year at college. And God, the, God came and the Holy Spirit convicted me. And the Holy Spirit showed him. And we made things right that day. I asked forgiveness because I had become bitter and, and, and ornery. And he asked forgiveness for whatever caused me to become bitter and angry. And you know what? Then we came together. Forgiveness was granted and we had great fellowship together. That's how you handle conflict. That's how you handle conflicts biblically. And when we do these things, when we love one another, we love one another like God's loved us, and we use our gifts to, to minister to one another, and then when we do have conflicts, if we handle those conflicts biblically, we have a family, a community that's so different than anything else in the world. It's so different. And it's so attractive. Just like I wanted to go be a Barthel because they had a loving family. There's people all around here that want to be part of some loving, caring group of people. Folks, we have got to catch a vision for this thing called community. We have got to turn our church, not just a place where people come and hear God's word taught and where people hear God's word preached, but where a place where God's people love one another, take care of one another, and forgive one another. See, the most Christ-like thing you can ever do is to forgive someone. And let me tell you, if you don't practice that forgiveness, you're going to come bitter, you're going to become wore out and miserable. There's too many wore out and miserable people in this world. We don't have to be that way. We can be a loving, caring, forgiving family that will glorify God and lift Him up. And when He's lifted up, all men are drawn to Him. Let's pray this morning. Father, as we come to you this morning, first of all, we're so very thankful for your love. A love that just surpasses anything that we can even imagine. We thank you for the Lord Jesus Christ who took upon himself our sins in a, the greatest act of love ever so that we could be forgiven so that we could be made 
right and adopted into your family. Lord, I pray if there's one here this morning that has never received you as Savior, that, Lord, they won't wait. Lord, they'll realize it's not a religious thing that we're doing. It's a, a, a personal relationship with the, the risen Savior, with the God of the universe. Lord, I pray in this time of invitation that's coming that if there's someone here that has never trusted you personally as Savior, that they will today. That they'll come and let us show them, or, or even after the service, they'll talk to, to, to someone and let us take the Bible and show them. Lord, for us, those of us who know you, Lord, may we be like you. May we forgive, may we love, and may we minister. May we take care of each other. May we love each other, get to know each other, support one another. And Lord, when those conflicts come, may we forgive one another. Lord, through that, you will be glorified. And others will come to know you so that they too can be part of a family. Lord, just work in our hearts. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand. We'll have a time of invitation. Whatever your need may be this morning, if you need to be saved, if you need to join this church, if you maybe need to forgive somebody. Thank you.